0: Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was banned from making a planned visit to Israel this week. Congresswoman Omar and Rashida Tlaib of Michigan are among 17 members of Congress who recently voted against a resolution condemning a boycott movement against Israel. That prompted the Israeli government to take action
1: talking real quick about Israel not allowing you in?
2: To the president's tweet?
0: Congresswoman Ilhan Omar dodged questions from reporters while attending a meeting at Minneapolis City Hall. Just hours earlier, Israel announced it would ban Omar and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib from visiting Israel next week. Omar later issued a statement saying it is an affront that Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, under pressure from President Trump, would deny entry to representatives of the U.S. government. Trump's Muslim ban is what Israel is implementing, this time against two duly elected members of Congress. Trump tweeted about Omar, saying it would show great weakness if Israel allowed Representative Omar and Representative Talib to visit. They hate Israel and all Jewish people. The president made similar comments about Omar in an interview with me in April. Look, she's been very disrespectful to this country. She's been very disrespectful, frankly, to Israel. Across the political... The leader of the Minnesota Jewish Coalition, which protested Omar's view on Israel earlier this month, says Omar favors policies that could destabilize Israel.
1: The Israeli government has to do what they think is necessary to protect the security and stability of their nation. It saddens me and appalls me.
0: But Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, who is also Jewish, defends Omar. I may disagree with the issue at hand, but I will always, always support the rights, especially of members of Congress visiting one of our allies. And I'm really appalled by this decision. I think it's dangerous. The decision to ban the congresswoman from Israel has also been condemned by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and many of the Democratic presidential candidates. But it clearly has the support of President Trump. It would be a terrible thing, frankly, for Israel to let these two people who speak so badly about Israel come in. The president has repeatedly accused Representative Omar of being anti-Semitic. Tensions boiled over during the Minneapolis City Council's budget meeting this week. Mayor Jacob Fry's long-awaited budget address included spending for new police officers, and it was delivered to the city council, but it did not go as planned. Protesters overtook the council chambers Thursday leading to the mayor having to yell over their chance.
1: So I want you to invite I want to invite you all to say this with me economic inclusion and I support your first amendment right to express your voice.
0: Eric Chalou has a closer look at the reaction to the mayor's budget. We need safety beyond policing,
1: but we still need police. (laughs) Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry's 2020 budget request to the city council calls for adding 14 police officers to the street. This is a a commitment that I made. We're we're increasing it, and it's my job to figure out the strategy to get it through. But it's a far cry from quickly adding the 400 officers. Police Chief Madera Arredondo told the council he desperately needs in the next five years. The mayor admits it's a small start is NOT JUST GOING TO SOLVE THE PROBLEM ALTOGETHER IN ONE FELL SWOOP. Uh, I RECOGNIZE THAT. WE NEED TO BE HONEST ABOUT THAT. BUT WHAT IT DOES IS SET A STAGE AND LAYS OUT A PLAN. THE MAYOR'S PROPOSAL CALLS FOR EIGHT NEW BEAT OFFICERS, THREE SEX CRIMES AND DOMESTIC ASSAULT DETECTIVES, AND THREE OFFICERS FOR TRAFFIC ENFORCEMENT while sitting next to the mayor at a news conference after council the police chief says any new officers will help policing is more than just uh, the squad car response it's about building relationships and we have to do that one uh, contact at a time but the chief says he'll continue the drumbeat going forward to the council for more officers as the budget process continues i will continue to uh, make the case in terms of where we're at Uh, i know that for many uh, it was quite the culture shock for the Minneapolis police chief to come before them and, uh, and propose where I believe we need to be. In- Eric Shalu, 5 Eyewitness News.
0: The mayor says he weighed what he needed to do to get a budget passed when determining a number of new officers. One council member told us he's still deciding what to do about the mayor's request. The police union called 14 officers a very slow start to getting more officers on the street. The council's final budget vote comes in December. In St. Paul, Mayor Melvin Carter also delivered his budget plans for next year. He gave his presentation at the new Frogtown Community Center. St. Paul's 2020 budget is set at $622 million. Carter is proposing a 4.85% property tax levy increase. That's about $55 a year for a median home. The budget is expected to also be voted on in December. State lawmakers held the first of a series of listening sessions about the skyrocketing cost of insulin this week. House Democrats planned these sessions to keep pressure on Senate Republicans to agree to a special session on the insulin issue. This is him. Ian St. James says his godson Jesse is another victim of skyrocketing insulin costs. But he hesitates to say it was due to insulin rationing. Jesse didn't die from insulin rationing. He died from the
3: prohibitive cost of insulin.
0: But it's true the cost of insulin forces some people to ration because it's so expensive. He died. The mother of Alec Smith says he died after rationing insulin when he was denied access
2: to a pharmaceutical program for low-income diabetics. Alec was not rich. He was a hard-working, single young man making $40,000 a year, and he was denied denied life because he made too much money.
0: Advocates for lower insulin costs say there are no laws standing in the way of huge price increases in the U.S. Now, this vial of insulin,
2: Novolog cost me $340 if I get it filled retail price. When I cross the Canadian border, the exact same vial, look at it, because if you blink, they look the exact same. Cost me twenty-six dollars.
0: Governor Walls says he's willing to call a special session on the insulin issue. Democratic leadership in the House also on board. So far, the only resistance is coming from Senate Republicans. Uh, compromise means that both sides move a little bit, and we've got to continue to work on on finding that middle ground. You can't compromise with someone who refuses to engage whatsoever on the issue. A bipartisan group of lawmakers wants to pass the Alex Smith Emergency Insulin Act but so far they can't reach agreement on how to pay for it. Meantime, two insurance companies in Minnesota, Medica and UCARE, have introduced $25 caps on the monthly price of insulin in just the past few weeks. But you have to check with your employer or your individual plan to see if you qualify. There was a new leader at Minnesota's largest state agency after months of turmoil at the top of the Department of Human Services. Governor Tim Walls tapped nonprofit executive Jody Harpstead to lead DHS. Minnesota Republicans began a series of hearings in the Senate this week to dig deeper into problems at DHS. The state's largest department has been under fire for its handling of alleged fraud, overpayments, and administrative upheaval.
4: These problems result in legislative whack-a-mole.
0: Senator Michelle Benson says every time one problem pops up at the Department of Human Services, another one comes up.
4: Somehow the legislature never gets direct answers. We have gotten used to DHS being an island of resistance.
0: Legislative Auditor Jim Nobles is working on a review of problems at DHS. Because of its size, complexity, and importance, DHS consumes more of our attention And our resources than any other state
5: agency. I was given three days notice.
0: On short notice, Dr. Jeff Schiff was told in June his position as DHS medical director was being eliminated after 13 years.
5: The department has posted a position for a part-time medical director. Um, They have stated that they may rotate people through Um, for different expertise. I think that is crazy.
0: Another employee, Faye Bernstein, says she was disciplined for for pointing out compliance problems with some state contracts.
4: Within an hour, I was escorted out of the building. I was banned from DHS owned or leased property, I believe the letter said, and I was told that I was being myself investigated for misconduct.
0: Then there's the issue of $25 million in apparent overpayments, DHS says it made to two Native American tribes and surprised them with the news last month.
2: Left messages for both of the tribes about the lack of notification that they received about that, and it is deeply regrettable.
0: That was acting DHS Commissioner Pam Wheelock over payments to the White Earth Band date back to 2017 and back to 2014 for the Leech Lake Band. As much as $25 million could have to be repaid to the federal government by the tribes or the state of Minnesota. Speaking of the state of Minnesota, much of the state will be at the state fair soon. Maybe even some presidential candidates, who knows. At issue will also be out there next week, just as we were last year. Yes, the state fair is next week already. We'll be recording the show at noon on Friday, August 23rd at the 5 Eyewitness News building. We'll have political analysis. Plus, Governor Walls and Congresswoman Angie Craig are tentatively scheduled to appear on the show. So come on out and see us next Friday. Coming up next on that Issue, we'll have Brian Melendez and Jennifer Loon here in studio for political analysis. And later, organizers of a special lacrosse event in the Minnetonka area will join us to tell us how they plan to raise awareness of mental health issues among young people. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back. Time now for political analysis. Joining me here on the set, Jennifer Loon, a former Republican state House member, and Brian Melendez, former DFL state party chair. Thank you both for being here. Boy, as always, the the summer is never dull around here when it comes to politics, and Congresswoman Omar is one of the reasons why this summer has been so interesting. What do you make of her being banned from Israel? Is that a good idea
4: well, I, I, you know, I think that's an open debate. Uh, what strikes me about this whole thing is how very similar Elon Omar and Donald Trump are in terms of their messaging, their demeanor. Uh, they are both pretty bombastic in their comments and then seem to express shock and dismay when and that, uh, those comments result in some action or reaction by the other party. But I think ultimately Israel may be regretting this decision a little bit. But, you know, they do have a law against people who uh, entry into the country if they're supporting the boycott and divestiture and sanctions movement, which uh, Representative Omar clearly is.
0: Yeah, she did vote against a resolution condemning that boycott, as did Rashida uh, Talib. but you've got two democracies here, and one of the hallmarks of democracy is freedom of speech and letting people, you know, have some freedom, but not in this case.
5: You've got two democracies with authoritarian leaders who are kind of out of step with the historical tenor of those democracies. This I think is just political theater by President Trump. Now Jennifer is right that that the way that Ilhan Omar responds to Trump is very Trump-like, and it has the effect of keeping both of them in the spotlight, but that's what Trump wants. He wants for Omar to be the face of the Democratic Party so that he can pretend that the presidential candidates are not the representatives
0: of the party. And this is purely conjecture, but in some ways is this kind of what Congresswoman Omar wanted because she knew if this happened? HAPPENED, SHE'S RIGHT BACK IN THE SPOTLIGHT.
4: Well, I THINK SHE CLEARLY ENJOYS THE ATTENTION THAT IS it's GARNERING HER. AND I DON'T THINK IT'S GOING TO uh, DIMINISH her, HER EFFORTS OR HER COMMENTS.
0: DOES IT HELP OR HURT THE DEMOCRATIC PARTY THAT THIS IS HAPPENING? The, THE PRESIDENT KEEPS SAYING THEY'RE THE FACE OF THE DEMOCRATIC PARTY AND THEY HATE ISRAEL AND THE JEWISH PEOPLE. THERE'S
5: A REASON THE PRESIDENT KEEPS DOING THAT AND IT'S NOT BECAUSE HE'S TRYING TO HELP OUT THE DEMOCRATS.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're right on on that uh, observation. <laughs> Let's uh, shift gears to the Department of Human Services. We had a, a hearing in the, the Senate that was called by the Republican majority. Uh, what we learned is what we kind of already knew, but we've got some more detail. A lot of dysfunction in the state's largest agency.
4: Uh, very clearly, a lot of dysfunction. We still don't really know why uh, Tony Laurie left as as head of that agency you know I think there's a lot to be uncovered here Uh, clearly some staff members are willing to come forward but perhaps at personal risk which is probably most concerning about all of this that there seems to be a culture of not uh, of, of severe consequences to people that call attention to wrongdoing and possibly fraud within the department.
0: And as Senator Michelle Benson, Benson said during the hearing, this has gone back as far as she can remember. So it's not necessarily just a Democratic administration problem. It, it was probably the same during Governor Pawlenty and uh, Jesse Ventura. It's an institutional problem. Some think that agency is just too big.
5: This agency doesn't sound like Minnesota. If you look at the rest of Minnesota government, it doesn't behave like this, under Democrats or under Republicans. I want to know what's going on there, and it does sound like it's a longstanding culture of, uh, I don't think the right word is corruption, but but perhaps maladministration, confusion. It's not a place I would want to work, and it's not a place that I want running that big a part of the government.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a a my way or the highway approach. It seems whoever is is running the agency, it ends up that way, and that's never A GOOD WAY TO RUN AN ORGANIZATION?
4: IT'S NOT A GOOD WAY TO RUN. AND I I DO HOPE MORE HEARINGS WILL OCCUR. BUT I THINK ULTIMATELY WHAT MAY BE NEEDED IS SOME TYPE OF NEW LAW OR LEGISLATION REQUIRING MORE TRANSPARENCY BETWEEN AGENCIES AND THE LEGISLATURE. That's the only way to really have good oversight.
0: All right. Well, there will be more hearings. We know that. So we'll see what comes out of those. Brian and Jennifer, thank you for being here. Still to come this week on At Issue, high school students raising awareness about mental health by encouraging others to get out and play lacrosse. The kids will join us to tell us who this is in honor of when we return. It's been just over a year since 16-year-old Archer Amorosi was killed during a confrontation with Carver County Sheriff's deputies. It happened during what appeared to be a mental health crisis. And now friends and family of Archers are trying to focus attention on mental health issues in his honor through a lacrosse event. And joining me now to talk about that today are... Annika Van Nest, Mason Hurt, and Tommy Gibney, all friends of Archer's from Minnetonka High School. A couple of you played lacrosse with Archer as well, and they're here to tell us about the Northern Lights Lacrosse Festival next Saturday, August 24th. Thank you all uh, for being here. Uh, Annika, let me start with you. This is a, a combination of adults and uh, teenagers like yourself yeah. who are putting this on. Yeah. Uh, tell us just real quickly about the event and and who's invited to participate?
2: Yeah, so anybody from all over the metro um, is invited to participate. We have raised money through sponsors that are helping us to put on the event. And so it is a 12-hour back-to-back lacrosse games, um, shining a light on teen mental health. And so the National Alliance of Mental Health will be there. Um, food trucks and uh, lots of other just fun activities just making it comfortable and like getting rid of the stigma around mental health and so it's really a day to be able to sit and talk about it but also have fun while we do that
0: and the the festival is not named after Archer Amorosi but the foundation in his name Archer's Aim is uh, one of the sponsors of this and what kind of a guy was Archer we know he dealt with mental health issues but he was a great teammate and a great friend
6: yeah, he he was just one of the most caring people I've ever met. He was just he was always so nice to me um, on the lacrosse field and on the football field. He was so competitive. He cared about winning so much. But at the end of the day, he was so nice. Like I, I'm one of the skinnier people out on the field, and um, I, I get made fun of a lot. Which I mean at an early age it definitely got to me and he was one of the only people that stood up to stood up for me um week after week and he was it was awesome cuz it definitely helped me through um the games as well as just kind of my own body so he's <laughs> awesome and Mason, i,
0: I imagine you had uh, similar experiences with our yeah
3: no i completely agree he was to me one of the most caring people on and off the field uh on the field that care that drive kind of it it uh it helped with his competitive drive on the field. It really pushed him to be kind of the best person he could be, both on and off the field. Um, both off, off the field, too, he was one of the most joyous kind of persons, always cracking jokes, always smiling, and he was just a presence everywhere he went.
0: And he would be thrilled, I'm sure, by this event that you're putting on. And, Mason, you've been involved in recruiting teams, and a lot of the teams yeah. that are be playing, tell me they're coming from all around the Metro, and many of these these players played either with or uh, against Archer on various teams.
3: Yes. So uh, being part of the Minnesota Lacrosse League, we we mean we play uh, schools from all around the metro, playing schools like YZ, uh, Edina, Eden Prairie in the Lake Conference in high school, and then also playing with True Minnesota, a club travel team that goes out to the East Coast and plays tournaments, and kids playing. Um, from all cities around the metro, such as Egan Rosemount, St Thomas Academy, they come and play out with that team and Archer got very close with some of the kids on that team and that kind of it just helps to for all those kids to know who he was
0: and Annika, you said you 've recruited a lot of volunteers uh, from yeah. Minnetonka High School and elsewhere a lot of people really want to get involved. Yeah in this in honor of, of Archer?
2: Yeah, um, so one of his favorite places, two of them, actually, were the Chanhassen Chick-fil-A and Adele's Frozen Custard in Excelsior. And so they have so generously donated their food, um, and they've donated it completely as a donation generously, and then we are going to be able to um, sell it, and then all that money will go back to the foundation, which, again, is raising that money for um, mental health.
0: And in addition to the food and the lacrosse games, uh, the other thing is that is very important to point out there's going to be actually mental health clinics where people can come and listen to speakers. Uh, tell me about that, Tommy. Even before each game, yeah. there's going to be a component of that. Yeah,
6: Anika highlighted a little bit about how we're going to have tents at the event for NAMI um, to just come and you can go to the tents in between games, especially parents, to kind of learn about mental health. But we're also having um, people from Guild Incorporated come. Uh, before each event, so at the top of the hour before each game, and they are going to be talking about um, age-appropriate mental health um, issues that they kind of see uh, are a problem in the community and how we can um, kind of fight against it. So what they are doing is they are coming, and um, they are not only talking about their own experiences, but they are talking about how what the uh, kids doing at the games, what they are doing is very courageous, and what they are doing is going to help other people and they're going to, they're very passionate about mental health just because Guild Incorporated is a mental health, um, kind of mental health awareness uh, company. So what they are doing is they are going to be helping the students um, get through hard times if they're going through them.
0: And this is going to go on for 12 hours. Uh, Tell us where it's going to be. We're going to have all the information at KSTP.com, but just briefly tell us where's it going to be, what time, what day?
2: Um, So it's at Badger Park in Shorewood, Minnesota, which is where you guys grew up practicing, right? Yeah, that's
3: where we've played our entire lives.
2: Yeah, um, it is from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. We have dunk tanks throughout the day, different food throughout the day, um, and then those back-to-back on-the-hour lacrosse games. There's also going to be yoga classes throughout the day um, and things for the youth in the morning and...
0: And we'll have all this information on our website as well at KSTP.com. Uh, but, Mason, final word for you. I know uh, Archer's family is also involved in this. Yes. What, what does it mean to them and to the community to bring everybody together at a place where Archer used to love to play lacrosse?
3: I think it means a great deal to both the Amorosi family, um, the lacrosse team, the school of Minnetonka, and the whole community around us. It feel like we are turning kind of... a tragedy into something we're trying to make something good come out of it because we see that these teen mental athletes that can be a missed demographic in the mental health area and we want to make that aware we want to make people aware of that
0: Well I'm sure the whole community is proud of what you're doing and what the adults are doing to put this on in Archer's memory so best of luck to all of you uh, next week at the Northern Lights Lacrosse Festival Thank you. Thank you Next on that issue Minnesota gymnasts are making a name for themselves and getting national attention their impressive routines and where they placed coming up The Olympics could be on the horizon for two Minnesotans. 16 year old Sunisa Lee of St. Paul took second place at the U.S. Gymnastics Championships. Lee excelled in her routine on the uneven bars and on the floor. And Grace McCallum, also age 16 of Visanti, finished third after a huge comeback. McCallum was facing ninth place in the competition but surged to take third place after impressive routines on the second day. Olympic trials are set for June of next year where the top six will make the U.S. team. So best of luck to both of them. Just a quick reminder, at issue, we'll be at the Minnesota State Fair this coming week. On Friday, we'll be recording the show at noon That's August 23rd at the 5 Eyewitness News Building. So come on out and say hello again noon on Friday. That is all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.